0: Good morning, everyone. For those who don't know who I am, my name is Baba Lotekiso. And as always, who wants to finish the line? It is? Awesome privilege to be here this morning. Aha. It is an awesome privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, some of you might have heard, some of you might not have heard already, but coronavirus is in Gauteng. And... I don't know if you know the seriousness of the disease but it's so serious that the minister of health is actually considering stopping all the large gatherings that happen including church gatherings because how the virus gets spread out is that if someone touches you or gets in contact with you then it's over. It means all of us in this room will have it and then we'll go back to our families and workplaces and that's how it spreads. And it has potential to kill people. So we obviously as a church are responding to it through prayer and saying, Lord, what is happening? But um, we just need to be aware that it has reached Gauteng. And in fact, in, I read an article And I saw a post from another church in America. And they've actually stopped all their gatherings. And basically what they do on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, they have whoever is sharing the word, from wherever they are, they put a camera and they stream live on Facebook and all the social media platforms, moving to fourth industrial revolution by fire by force. So I think, um, Christine, we have to do that course very soon. Because if corona hits... At least you have five at home, so you still have access to the preaches. You know, we can organize something. But on a serious note, like, um, you might just receive, depending on what the minister says, a note to say, hey, we won't be having church until the minister tells us otherwise. Unless if we want to be rebellious and say, ha, Tina, we'll do this thing. Whether the minister says that or not. But yeah, let's keep praying, guys, as a church and as a people of faith so that this pandemic can stop. Amen? Amen. So, all of you, or some of you who've been here, you know that we are in our series called Efficiency, and in this series, we're looking at um, some practical tools that God is giving us to serve Him well, to engage better as people. But, um, Some of you heard last week that I went to Port Alfred. I spent the week there. It was a Vineyard Pastors' conference uh, retreat. So basically, it's time for us as pastors to be refreshed and to receive some download. So we were there, we came back on Friday. And normally, what I do, my wife does this religiously. If we fly anywhere, the night before, she will make sure that she checks in online, chooses the best seats, and makes sure that. We get the best spots in the aeroplane. And clever me, I forgot to do that because my helper was not there, you know, my wife. And I <laughs> in the morning, I woke up, and I'm like, whoa, I didn't check in. So I tried to check in online. And luckily, I managed to check in, but all the seats were taken. So then they had put a seat somewhere for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, I'm sitting in the middle aisle. I'm going to be between people. Ugh. Anyway, let me go. So I go to this plane. I sit in the middle aisle. And then when I arrive, I don't know what, what they call this part. But in the plane, there's a part when you walk in behind the pilots. And then there's this nice-looking place. Like, you know that one with those seats that look different. And the leg room is like you, can kick, you can't even kick the person in front of you. It's like so nice. And then you walk past there, you're like, sure, I wish I was, (laughs) okay. And then you get to the other side where we are sitting, us, the people. And my seat, yeah, my seat was the seat right after that place. So I had some legroom, but still I had, you know, I was sitting like this. So we were all fine. And I didn't, I mean, I knew that those people had better seats. They looked better than mine. But then, just the plane takes off, and then they start serving food. Right there, some lady who's dressed different from other air hostess comes. And you know, (laughs) it's funny, we are sitting here, so we're looking looking at her directly. She looks at us, and she turns around, and she just closes the curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that, we are separated from the people. And I'm like, ah, okay, is this the feeling? Like, I know that there's that place, but I've never had the feeling. I've never been there to witness it. And now I'm sitting there thinking, ah. Look, they paid more for those seats, but still, it's painful to sit there and just get curtains shut in front of you. So I'm sitting there trying to deal with my pain, and... And then the curtain didn't shut properly. There was a gap. <laughs> it's a pity. Uh, Na- Natasha, can the pictures show the ones that were. Anyway, you, you might not be able to see the picture. I took pictures because I, f- I had to deal with this situation. Like, seriously. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking through the hole. And I'm like, okay, I want to see what this is all about because at least I can. Eh, hey, these people, they get saved in breakable plates, breakable glasses, proper fork and knife, and you can, they get served first. So before even you get food, you hear, clink, 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 I'm like, ah, ah, this is painful. I'm hungry, and they're already eating. So, I see this guy, I took pictures of this guy, my guy, you know, like this, I could see this guy, and he was so comfortable. Like, hey, they even serve them proper dessert. And I'm sitting there thinking, hey, there was a free seat in, next to this guy. And I'm like, can't I, can I, I mean, I'm right here, I'm here. I just need to just jump there and I'm with you guys. But no, just like that, I was separated from the people. And the reason we're doing the series in the book of Ephesians is to show that for us who are in the kingdom of God, when we put our faith in him, the curtains don't exist anymore. I know it's painful for me, but this is serious. (laughs) There is no curtain that exists for us who believe. Christ on the cross, when he was crying, Eloi, Eloi, the curtain in the temple was torn. And that thing that separated us from God, was dealt with. And finally, we could put our faith in him and we, can ha- we could have a direct contact with our Messiah and with our Lord God. Isn't that awesome? So we don't have to sit in the airplane and be separated and feel like we are the other members of the family. In Christ, we are all part of the same family. And it is our hope that as we look at this book of Ephesians, um, we are going to see how we've been included, not through works, but by faith in Christ. We're going to look at our identity. It's so amazing that when you look at this book, from chapter 1 to chapter 3, we see Paul writing and reminding people about their identity in Christ. Reminding them of who they are and whose they are. And then in chapter 4 to chapter 6, he says, now that you know and you remember who you are and whose you are, this is how to live your lives going forward. So this series, we hope, is going to be as practical as possible. We hope that it's going to make all of us, both who believe and who don't believe yet, to solidify our relationship with Christ. This series, we hope, is going to help us to work and deal with our inward journeys, to deal with our intimacy with God, to help us to see how we can build stronger relationships with our Creator. So, we've titled this series, The Equipping Church. The Equipping Church. And the reason we've titled The Equipping Church is because we believe as the leadership of the church that the church exists to equip its people for people to equip one another And for those people to be prepared for their everyday lives. So that those people can be the light in the world. Can be the hands and the feet of Christ. So we believe that as a church we need to be equipping one another. We don't live in a cocoon or we don't live in in seclusion. We live in the world. Even if we are not of the world. So if we live in the world, how do we equip one another? to know how to live our everyday lives. So we hope this series is going to achieve that. And also, equipping is part of our five priorities. So we look for ways in which we can take the Bible and take what we believe in and put it into practice. And as I said, hand each other tools that can help us to know how to live for Christ better. So we've titled The Equipping Church, and the tagline for this is the gospel story that shapes our everyday story. The gospel story that shapes our everyday story. And we hope that during this series, both our inward journeys and our outward journeys and the forward journeys will come to life and we'll be able to have tools that can help us to live them out. Last week, if you were here, we did an overview of this series. We played a video, and as Jen just announced, there is a podcast and you can go to the podcast and listen to it if you missed it. And we, we basically outlined some of the reasons why we're doing this series and some of the things to expect in this series. So if you need, because now I'm just going to jump in straight into chapter one. But if you want to know the background, if you feel like I'm not doing enough by giving the background story, please go listen to the podcast from last week and let's go. <coughs> Sorry, my throat... <coughs> Something is up with my throat. I spent a lot of time on the beach. Sorry for those who haven't been on the beach. But I think think it's catching up with me now. Yeah, it's catching up with me. The weather in Jobeck is not the same as the weather in Port Alfred. But we are thankful for for the beach. And uh, I pray that uh, all of us one day can get to experience the beach. So, I don't th- <coughs> um, pray for me so that my throat can be better. And some of you are sitting there thinking, <coughs> Good for you, you just told us about the beach experience. Good for you, cough. <coughs> but as we said last week, Ephesus was one of the places that Paul and his team visited. It's a place that Paul made many journeys to. But in one of the journeys that he went, he spent three years with his team there. And during this time, they planted a lot of churches, and they strengthened churches, and they equipped churches, and they found people, placed them, and helped them to lead those churches. They did a lot of work. So Paul leaves this place and goes about his journeys and do more things. And in one of these journeys, he gets arrested again. Paul used to get into a lot of trouble. But this time he gets arrested and over time he gets put into a house arrest. And his house, his house arrest, he could actually be visited by people and spend as much time as he wants with those people. So this letter, Paul writes from that perspective in prison and he gets a guy who's called, a name that I can't pronounce properly, but he gets a guy called Titus. Tychikas. And Tychicus takes this letter and sends it to the Ephesian church and takes it to the people around where Paul has been. So he takes this letter, and Paul writes this letter to basically encourage people in Ephesus. And in addressing them, he's not like other churches where he's addressing a specific thing where people are doing other things. He's just addressing and strengthening them and saying, I've heard about your faith. I've heard that even amongst many other things that are happening to you and the bad circumstances, you've kept your faith. And he talks to them and says, I see you and I hear about you and I'm praying for you. And he says, I just want to remind you of who you are in Christ and I want to encourage you to keep going. So Paul starts this letter from verse 1 and he says, I'm Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing that when we read scripture, there are words that we can just read and just pass them. Most of the time, things that are in the Bible are there for a reason. So Paul calls these people saints. He starts when you read from the ESV, because the NIV says God's holy people. But in the ESV, it says to the saints who are in Ephesus. And he calls them saints. Now, I don't know if you know... But in some religious circles, not everybody is a saint. I'm not going to mention which religious circles, because I don't want to create a them and us kind of a situation. But in some religious circles, not everybody gets to be called a saint. In fact, in some religious circles, to be called a saint, you must be dead. And you must not just be dead, you must be dead for five years. And you must, you must not just be dead for five years. In your death and in your grave, you must create a miracle. Someone that you've empowered on earth should pray in your name, in your death, and a miracle should happen. And then the list goes on. And then you can become a saint. So, for us who believe in Christ, the only thing we need to qualify as saints is to put our life and our faith in Christ. And just like that, we are in. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So, next time I come to church, I'll be calling, Hey, Saint Lydia? Hey, Saint Abigail, because just by virtue of believing in him, you are in. You are a saint. And Paul says to them, Hey, saints, this is your identity. You are saints. And it's important for all of us to see ourselves as that. So Paul writes to them and says, I want to start first by reminding you of who you are. And whose you are. And he says you are saints, people. But you see, some people think, when you talk about saints, they think saints are people who are sinless. They are people who don't do mistakes. That's not the case. Saints are those who have put their faith in Christ. And who, in God's eyes, are seen as righteous people who sometimes sin. When God looks at us, he takes pride in us. When God looks at us, he sees ones who are righteous before his eyes. Who sometimes sin. So it's amazing that we don't have to jump hurdles and we don't have to do many things to buy our place to just be called saints. Hi, Saint Intombi. Hi. <laughs> And it's freeing actually that even in this saint calling, there is no hierarchy. There is no, I've been a saint for 70 years, therefore I'm better than you. If you give your life to Christ today, you're a saint. And you and the person who's been a believer for 70 years, when Christ looked at both of you, he says, These are saints. Yes, as saints, We journey and we grow in our spirituality. And God, over time, transforms us and changes us and makes us better. We get saved. We are still saved. We'll forever be saved until Jesus comes and takes us home. Amen? So that's amazing that actually Paul calls these people saints and says, I want to remind you of who you are. Let's start with your identity. So you sitting in this room. I hope when you leave this place today, you will live knowing and remembering that you are a saint. Hi Said Kintu, Mese. Saint Rob. So let's look and adopt this identity. So maybe, here's a question. What is something that keeps us going back to the lives before we became saints? What keeps taking us away from God? What keeps taking our focus away from knowing deeply that we are saints and living lives worthy of that? One, I think it can be our circumstances. All of us sitting in this room are going through different things. And during that time, our circumstances can become bigger than our God. And we can start reducing our identity of who we are and start increasing our circumstances and elevating them. Who knows what I'm talking about? Do you know it's sent in You know it well, eh? But it's important for us that even in our circumstances, we don't forget our identity. And Paul is writing to this community saying, hey, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Sometimes it can be our arrogance. You know, I I have this one rich friend. And he literally thinks he's God. He doesn't say it with his mouth, but he thinks he's God. Because he can get anything he wants in this life. Okay. This is what he does. I know you will think this is crazy. He'll come today to your house. He'll be driving a Range Rover. And then you'll have a conversation. And he'll say, "Mm, you know this car, it's been two months. I don't think I like it anymore. And then the following day, he'll send you a new picture. He got a Ferrari or something. And I sat with him one day and I said, my friend, can you tell me, what are you trying to hide? What are you talking about? I'm like, no. There's something that you're trying to hide with all of these things. There is something that is in you that you are trying to push down and using material things to define you. And obviously he doesn't want to believe that because he loves Christ, he's a church guy, he believes everything, he's committed. But sometimes it's our arrogance in thinking that we can take situation in our own hands, we can deal with things in our own strength and We know where that ends, right? Sometimes it's our impatience. We see things not happening as fast as we want, and we're like, nah, this thing doesn't work. In fact, I have a friend who is considering leaving the faith, and he's like, this thing doesn't work. I mean, I've believed in God for how long, and what is he doing for me? But we forget that in him, we are saints. We have a special place in his heart. And our circumstances sometimes can keep us away from living as saints. So if these things are keeping us away from having the faith, from living as saints, what are some of the things that we can do to remain in the faith? What are some of the things that we can do to make sure that we remain faithful in the journey that is set before us? You see, Paul writes to this community and says to them, you've been faithful. When you read in verse 2, he says to them, to the saints in Ephesus, who've been faithful? So how do we become faithful? How do we remain in him and him in us through all circumstances. We do not deny that we are going through circumstances. But how in that time do we remain faithful? How do we remind ourselves that we are saints and we remain faithful? How do we do that as individuals? I'll come to how we do it as a community. But how can we do this as individuals? Number one, we need to make intentional time to work on our inward journey with God. There's a guy that, there's a couple that my wife and I met 10 years ago. And we met at the wedding. And when they came into our lives, we had friends. But because in this friendship, Both us and this couple were intentional about spending time together, about getting to know each other. Today they are our best friends because we make intentional time to make sure that we spend quality time together. And this is not different with God. If you want to know him better, you need to spend time with him. If you want to keep reminding yourself who you are in him, you need to read his word and read Ephesians and say, oh, I'm a saint. Even in everything that's happening around me, I'm a saint. And this can take a, like different shapes. It doesn't have to happen the same way as the other person. If you have a car and you're driving in your car, you can just switch off the radio. And just spend time with God while you're driving, wherever you're driving. If you are walking somewhere, you can just try to intentionally see and see God in your walk. If you are sitting at home, if you are going to school, whatever that you can do, try to create an intentional time. And remind yourself that you are a saint who's been faithful. It's important. We cannot expect our relationship with God. We cannot expect our inward journeys to improve if we don't make time to be with God. And here's the thing. Some of us are actually very good at being faithful in coming to church. Coming to fellowship and assemble together like this. But as hard as it is, this becomes the last time you hear about God and read God's word. You will do it again when you meet next week. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm saying this to encourage you. To say, if in your heart you have a desire to know God better, if in your heart you have a desire for your inward person to be strengthened and to grow, you need to spend time with God. Number two, if we are going to work in our growth, in our inward journey, we need to remember that the responsibility of our growth is not from the pastor, from the elders, but it's your own. This is important. I've had, I've had uh, a friend of mine who was leaving this other church, and his reasons for leaving was that they are not giving me anything. They, is, they are not giving me anything. And while I sympathize with this person, the truth is, what are you giving to them? What are you bringing to the table? If they are not giving you anything, what are you giving to them? <laughs> So this can be a misconception that for inward journeys to happen, I must come to following Jesus, I must sit here, and Baba Lord must give me a powerful weight, and I must go and be charged up for the week. Yes, that's part of it. But hey, there must be something that you are coming here with, you know. You must come in and say, Hey, I want to play also. And in the vineyard and at following Jesus, what do we say? Everybody gets to play. And you're going to hear more about this next week. Everybody gets to play. The responsibility lies with you. The growth of our journeys lies with us. And therefore, we need to create intentional time to grow as individuals. And as I've said, there is no right and wrong of doing this. Find a way that works for you if you find it in reading books, if you find it in listening to podcasts, if you find it in every morning, if you have a rhythm, do that. Make sure that you start new disciplines that can help you to build your inward journey. I can tell you with myself, I can't speak for other people, but when I've spent time with God, when I've intentionally done things that I need to do, I really feel the love like I'm giving my daughter right now. And I feel that me and God are in the same WhatsApp group. And when I'm not doing it, I also feel, I can feel there's a void, there's a gap. And normally what I do is I listen to worship. Worship for me is one of the things that helped me reconnect. I'll just switch on worship, and I'll intentionally just sit there and worship God. And then slowly, I'll get drawn closer to him. And then I can read a book, be encouraged, read the Bible, listen to a podcast, talk to a friend. This is important. So that's the individual journey that you need to take. But what is the community journey that you need to take? What is the inward journey that you need to take? in this community of following Jesus, to remind yourself of who you are, to remind yourself of whose you are, in this community, you need to commit to being part of a small group or a home group. (coughs) The reason we have home groups, the reason we try to organize things as a community is for us to strengthen one another. It's for us to, each other up when we are weak. I don't know how many times I've heard stories of people who went to home groups. People who've done small groups. And they went in, they said, I don't want to go to home group today. But they dragged themselves there. And they came back and they were full of life. Amen? So we need to commit to being part of a community. We need to commit to attending church regularly. It's important for us to assemble together, and it's important for us to really try to... Let me... Okay. You want to watch on my phone? Okay. Uncle is going to give you his phone. We are a community, right? I don't know why my my child banked Children's Church. I don't know why she's allowed here. And my wife is teaching... I don't know how she allowed her to leave. There is some serious conversation that needs to happen at home. Huh? It's a lovely picture. She just walked in, up to her father, and he picked her up. It's beautiful. There we go. I like people like Nick James who are always positive, who always see the lighter side of things. So my baby came to his father, to her father, and she came boldly and said, he can be the preacher to you. But to me, he's my dad. And I can access him anytime I want. And that's the picture of the father, right? And for us, who are saints, that's the access that we have. We have an access to the father without limits. We can boldly go to him. Preach it, Nick. You see now. <laughs> you've, 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 you, you're taking me somewhere where I didn't want to go. But let me come back. I'll go back to that via via. But we need to commit. We need to commit to church attendance. When I was in Port Alfred, one of the things I was doing, they give you some time to go think, pray, and be alone. So one of the things I did this week, I actually sat and started writing names down of people who come to this church you will be surprised how many people belong to this church who don't show up to church on a weekly basis. And I'm like, wow. So this church can be full every Sunday. But we don't commit the same way. Yes, sometimes we have reasons, sometimes we have appointments. But my gosh, when we all commit, in December we had a service on the 15th of December. There were no chairs available. And we didn't even have that many visitors. Our people just decided, today we are showing up. And I don't know if you, 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 you'll agree with me, but that day, there was something different in the room. Because saints came together. And it's not about numbers. But it's important if we are going to work on our inward journeys and our outward journeys, hey, we need to value coming together. It's important. Because when we remain together, we strengthen one another. We have men's breakfast that we announced this morning. We have ladies' meeting that's coming. We need to commit to those things. Not from a religious point of view. But those are spaces that are created to help us to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. Amen? Amen? It looks like... A In that one, we don't agree, because the amens are like, amen, amen, don't force me to come. Amen? (laughs) Amen. And we need to remain encouraging one another. So let's continue reading in this book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, Paul says from verse 3, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There you go, saints. You are chosen to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. And God in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, through Christ Jesus, in accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in one in the one that he loves. And in him we have redemption through his blood. Amen. The forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished us with. In in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. That's powerful. God hasn't just shown us love, but he has lavished his love upon us. He has given everything that he has to show us how much he loves us. There is nothing that he holds back for us. To the point of letting his only son die for you and me, that's how much he wanted to lavish us with his love. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, he proposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ Apparently, what I've just read to you now, even though I couldn't read it at once, but apparently in the original Greek, Paul read this as one sentence. I don't know how he did it without taking a breath, but he did it. At some point, I felt like, yo, when am I going to finish reading this? (laughs) It's so long. But Paul did it in one sentence in the original Greek, and we get the privilege of reading it with full stops and commas and take a breath. God loves us, eh? (laughs) But verse 3 says, we are those who are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What does being blessed with every spiritual blessing mean? What are the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ? Spiritual blessings mean nothing complicated. What it means is that for us who believe in God, there are benefits. For us who believe in God, there are things that we get by putting our faith in Christ. And those things are not material things. They are spiritual blessings. They are things that help us to walk the journey that God has set before us. They are things that carry us through all circumstances so that we can remember and remain saints So, spiritual blessings are the benefits that we get just by knowing Christ. So, what are those? Number one, salvation. Salvation is a spiritual blessing. It's a blessing that we can never buy, it's a blessing that you can never earn. You cannot work for this blessing, it is free of charge. Christ died so that in Him we can have the free gift of salvation. So just by believing, we get this blessing. And we get salvation from Christ through the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are part of the blessings that we get just by saying we want to be in your family, please welcome us. And next week, you might hear more about this. Paul writes to them and say, you have these blessings. Now, the question is, how do you take these blessings and equip yourself as a church so that you can function in a better way and glorify God with these blessings? So spiritual blessings come to us through the Holy Spirit. And I remember even in 2018, even in 2019, we spoke about spiritual blessings And the Bible teaches us that no one can claim not to have a gift from God. No one who belongs in him doesn't have a gift from him. So by virtue of being part of his family, you you receive these blessings for free. And God gives to each according to his will. So Saint Patience, you have a gift. Saint Lerato, you have a gift. St. trifilwe St. Grant, we all have gifts. And these gifts come as part of the spiritual blessings that get showered upon us through the Holy Spirit. We say everybody gets to play. And that's how we get to play. Through exercising the gifts that God has given us. We have the worship team that blesses us with their gift of, I don't know, you call it music. We have people down there with the children they are blessing us with that gift. We bless each other differently. But we bless each other because we're equipping one another. We're strengthening one another through these spiritual blessings. The other one is the hope for eternal life that we get through spiritual blessings. For us who believe in Christ, though we live in this world, We know that we are not of this world. We know we have something to look forward to. And therefore, we can live in hope that at some point Christ is going to come back and we're going to spend eternity with him. Amen? Adoption is another spiritual blessing. We have been adopted into his family. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? When I was growing up, when I was growing up, I'm going to ask Naomi to come to the stage and to start playing, and then the team will come follow as I land this plane. When I was growing up, my mom was a teacher. And my mom, being a teacher, used to come in contact with a lot of students, Who used to be in need. And without giving us a warning, we'll just see my mom rock up at home with strange kids, with bags. And my mom will say, This is your new sister. This is your new brother. And we'll have to accept that child. We were four brothers at home, so already we were crowded. We used to fight for stuff, as you can imagine. But my mom will forever bring people at home and say, I need you guys to learn that the world doesn't revolve around you. There are other people out there who need the mother's love, who need the father's touch. And because we can offer that in this family, let them come. And just like that, they had brothers and sisters. And this happened throughout our childhood children would come and go in our family. In our black community, even though there is formal adoption, because of Ubuntu, we don't have to go and sign papers and say, today I'm adopting Trevor Davis as my son. Where we saw need, we met the need. So, as this would happen, Obviously, there was tension in the family. My dad would sometimes ask, is this an orphanage? (laughs) We've never been just us as a family. There's always someone staying with us. Or sometimes two. Or sometimes three. But my mom would always stretch, open the gates of our family and open the doors of our family and say, those who don't know love will receive love here. Those who don't know what family looks like will receive it here. And then one day, my mom brought a child, a young girl called Catherine. Catherine was the sweetest person. Very quiet, very gentle. She loved working. She loved washing dishes, cleaning the house, so us as boys we're like, yes, finally we get to chill. We'll be there trying, you know, we had tens to clean and wash dishes. And you'll eat dinner and go to the kitchen dragging your feet. Ah, it's my turn. And Catherine will be there. And she would already be washing the dishes. Catherine loved God. She was on fire for Christ. And Catherine enjoyed the the love that she never used to enjoy, just because she was adopted. Just because she was brought in. Just because there is no curtain that was shut in front of her. But one day something happened to Catherine. (laughs) Catherine I threw one of I used to throw these big parties. Every year when I I celebrated my birthday, I would throw this big party. I would ask my parents to leave for the weekend, and they would give me the house and would make a mess of it. And this one party that I threw, Catherine was there. And then I saw some guy who I've never seen before hanging around Catherine. And I was like, who's this? And then we got to find out that actually Catherine had a boyfriend. And it was on that day, on that night, when Catherine experimented and had sex with this guy. And because she knew nothing, she was so innocent, she fell pregnant on that night. And four months later, Catherine started complaining about having headaches. And one day my mom decided, no, it's enough, let's take you to the doctor. As they left the house, I joked with Catherine. And I said, <laughs> Catherine, why don't you just tell us you're pregnant, man? And I could see the fear in Catherine's eyes. But I didn't take it seriously. Because all of us knew Catherine as this amazing girl. As this amazing girl who loves Christ. Amazing girl who's so committed. And when they came back from the doctor, my mom was not the same. As a parent, you can imagine, this is now her daughter. And now she's disappointed in what her daughter has done. And like any other mother, she's losing her marbles. She's shouting, breaking things in the house. Shouting at Catherine. Catherine, how can you do this to yourself? How can you do this to us? Catherine, now you have to look after a baby. What's going to happen to your future? And Catherine, through his, her shame and her guilt... One day we came back from school and found Catherine was no more. She ran away. She left us. Her guilt, her pain, her embarrassment kept her locked in a dark place. And Catherine at that time forgot she was loved. She was part of the family. Yes, she's messed up. But she's still part of the family. She forgot at that time that she was adopted into a new family. She forgot that over the years she's been shown love that she's never experienced. That though my mom is angry and shouting at her, that my mom loves her as her daughter. And here is the thing. Some of us sitting in this room are Catherine's. We are called saints. We are called the faithful ones. But when we mess up, what do we do? We run away from God. We don't run to God. You see, all Catherine had to do was to look mom in the eye and say, mom, I've messed up. I'm sorry to have disappointed you. But mom, I'm here. I need all the help that you can give me. I need all the support that you can give me. So that I can face this mess with you all. We are saints who are righteous in His eyes, who sometimes sin. And when we sin, like my daughter came to me, we have a father whose arms are forever open to welcome us back into the family. So we don't have to run from him. We need to run to him and be reminded of who we are and whose we are. Because we belong to the family of the Most High. What are some of the circumstances that are taking your focus away from Christ? What are some of the Catherine kind of mess that keep the curtains closed for you to encounter and experience the relationship between you and God? What are some of the practical steps that you need to take this morning to remain in community, to remain strengthened and supported by community? What are some of the practical steps that you can take to make sure that when you are in Catherine's situation, you'll remember who you are and whose you are? Are you sitting there facing your mess by yourself? Are you sitting there facing all the hardships of life by yourself? I'm here this morning to tell you that at following Jesus, we believe in communities that strengthen one another, that encourages one another, that do life with one another. Are you sitting in this community with gifts that you know God has given you, that you are not practicing in this community for the advancement of the kingdom of God. This morning, God wants to remind you that there are spiritual blessings that He's poured upon us that He doesn't want us to sit on, but He wants us to exercise them so that as a community, we can learn how to live with one another and how to serve one another. These spiritual blessings... Are in the heavenly realms. They are not material spiritual blessings. They are not like my friend who drives many expensive cars, stays in expensive houses, have expensive clothes. They are not material things. They are spiritual things. They are not blessings as we understand them today. These are eternal blessings that we will experience in the heavenly realms. Will experience them for eternity. And God has put these blessings for all of us. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. If you are in this room today and you feel that you cannot, you do not have the energy, the strength, to walk back to him who loves you, to him who's called you a saint. This morning you are invited back to his family. He wants to remind you that you've been adopted into his eternal family. He wants to remind you that he loves you with an eternal love. If you are in this house this morning. And you don't call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You haven't experienced his grace and his love. He's inviting you this morning to a new relationship with him. He's inviting you to begin an inward journey that will transform your life forever. If that is you this morning, Jesus Is inviting you and he's saying, come, be part of the family. Let me adopt you into an eternal family, a family that is full of love, that is full of grace, that is full of mercy. Come. Come to me, Jesus is saying to you. And if there's any burden you are carrying this morning, Jesus wants to encourage you. And says, you can bring your burdens and cast them unto me. And let me free you of those burdens. In verse 15, as you close your eyes, I want to pray this prayer that Paul prayed to this community. And I'm praying this prayer over us as a family, as a church. And I'm praying this prayer that as we go along this efficient series, Oh, may God do his work in our hearts. May God renew us. And may when we thirst, like the song we sang, and when we get thirsty, may we remember that there is one who gives water that is everlasting. Water that when I drink it, when we drink it, there is a well that never runs dry. This week in Port Alfred, I spent time praying over this church through this prayer. And I want to pray it to you this morning. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith following Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, and ever since I've heard about your love for God's people, your love for one another, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I've remembered you in all my prayers. I keep asking God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. As we go through this series, I pray that God can give all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. May we finish this series and come out the other side, better followers of Christ. Ones who are equipped in him. Ones who are equipped to live our everyday lives for him. And I pray that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us for. In order that we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And in his incomparable Great power for us who believe. I pray that that power will come for all of us to know that it's the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him in the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. And every name that is invoked, not in all, not in the present age, but in all the age to come. And I pray that God place all things under his feet, and God appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, to the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with all of us. Will draw us back to himself. His grace will remind us of who we are in him. Will remind us of the spiritual blessings that we get just by virtue of being in him. May he empower us to know how to stay with him in us and us in Him. May He empower us to know that even when we mess up like Catherine, He's a Father whose arms are never short to catch us. He's a Father whose arms are never short to reach us. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to sit there quietly for a moment and see how you want to respond. See how God is pushing and pursuing you and inviting you to respond. Naomi is going to continue playing softly and do business with God.